Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa with two time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Well, Carl, uh, we saw we thought the game would be a low scoring tight game, but I don't think I ever would have imagined all those punts. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's crazy. It was crazy. But as you always say, uh teams that are not successful find ways find to ways get to lose. Us. And that they is certainly correct. they did that on Sunday. Eight there's yeah. eight million ways in which they lost the game. Yeah, I mean, there were probably three or four that were um, very noticeable. And, you know, I, I I I know that Saquon Barkley has a very high football IQ. But I think in ever since the Jacksonville game, he is so conflicted with end of the game stuff. Go out of bounds, slide. Do I slide now? Do I get more? If he gets the first down on the third down run, the game is over. Was that third? Was that no, it was, it was a first down run. First down run. Yeah. The first down run, he gets about eight yards and then just slides. If he gets 10, which he could have, the game is over. Um, and it's just so weird um, because all of the end-of-game situations with Saquon Barkley just does not, like, he got hurt on a freak thing. Was that in Arizona? Yeah, in Arizona. You know, end of game, just running the clock out, he gets hurt. Um, it's just been so much weird stuff with him. But I think he's, they're all smarter as a result of this. But no one play lost the game. But I think accumulation of missed opportunities Lost in the last missed opportunity was the um, the kick. The last best missed opportunity was the kick. But, you know, you have the debatable, now debatable offsides by Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, you have the pass interference call on Adoree Jackson. It's, you know, they found ways to lose the game where mathematically it was almost impossible. There was a a 99.7% chance that they would have success and win that game with that time left on the clock, and they found a way to lose it. Um, there's debate now on whether you should have kicked it, whether you should have gone for it. You and I explored it in real time before the play was called, before the decision was made. I think the analytics had it about equal. But one thing you do know, if you get points on that kick, the game is essentially over. Your probabilities um, go up even more at that yeah. point. Yeah, so the decision to, to, to kick versus go for it, I mean, it'll be argued, but they were, I think, from what I was reading, the analytics said they were both about the same. 99.7% chance of winning if you get either one. Um, they missed a kick. 
don't blame the coach for missing the kick. And, you know, there's this conversation that the kicker is hurt and he put a hurt kicker out there. Not quite how it goes in the NFL. I mean, you can blame the coach if you don't like to play or the decision, but you can't blame him for him for uh, Gano missing the kick. He took the uniform, um, and this is you know from a from a kicker. Uh, Lawrence Tyne said it's not not quite how it works. You take a uniform, you've convinced everybody that you can make kicks. You gotta do it. Hey, listen, you played for the Giants. Okay, you know Ronnie Barnes, and you know his track record and his history. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in today's era, the players have way more control over their bodies. Sure, but they're not—they're not forcing a guy to go out there and take right. a uniform if he can't do it. Right. And Graham Gano is a veteran who signed a con. He thought he could do it. That's why he's out yeah. there. Right. Um. So, like, the decision. To go for the kick. I get it. Fans are upset. A lot of opportunities were missed. Um, The coach didn't miss the kick. The coach made the call to go for the field goal. So field goal was missed. Now everybody can blame the coach. If you go on fourth and one and they missed, they're going to blame the coach for not putting Graham Gano out there. Nobody's going to say, well, he didn't put him out there because his knee was hurt. And I, I honestly don't know the severity of the injury, nor do I think anybody else does. I don't think he said what the severity is of, of his injury. I haven't read or heard anything he about mentioned it. A, I think he mentioned Art Stapleton that he's probably going to need surgery at the end of the season. But that doesn't mean there are a lot of guys that need surgery at the end of the season mm-hmm. that play for the rest of the season because sure. they know how to work around it and work through it. Yeah, there's a there's a million guys in the NFL that will need surgery at the end of the season to clean something yeah. up. Yeah, so um, don't know what that is. He's out there. First best opportunity to win the game was there, and then it just well no first best opportunity was um, if Saquon Barkley just runs for the first down instead of sliding. Um, and I think everybody's smarter for uh, the way this thing ended. Um, but it was a game they needed. It was a game they needed. Um, defense continues to play well. Offense continues to struggle because of the quarterback position now is really in flux. And if Daniel Jones is back, which are all indications that he is, um, will they be adverse to turning him loose into some of the the stuff that'll use his legs to try to protect him, or Will he be more apt to use his legs because the protection's breaking down? Now, <laughs> the offensive line, you know, for what it's worth against the Jets, you know, some of their big name players didn't didn't sniff the quarterback. Now they're good. Again, I, I take nothing away from the Jets. They're really good defense. But Quinnen Williams, I don't think sniffed the quarterback. That's John Michael Schmitz, right? Yeah, listen, I, I watched every offensive snap yesterday in John Schmelk's room, you know, because he's got access to the tape. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line wasn't brutal in the game. 
They had their I mean, assignments. They knew they were supposed to block. I mean, I, I, I specifically asked John to queue up the drive after the Jets jumped offside when the Giants had to punt from their own five-yard line or own 10-yard line, wherever it was. And I said, I want to watch every snap of this drive from both angles. Because everybody in MetLife Stadium, a Giant or Jet fan, everybody on the Giant sideline, everybody on the Jet sideline, every coach, and every person that was watching in the New York metropolitan area and around the country knew exactly what every play was going to be. It's going to either be yeah. a handoff to Barkley or a handoff to Brita. They blocked the hell out of that thing. You know, they used seven minutes a clock yeah. at that point in the game. So that, that's against a top de- uh, that's against a very highly touted defense that is a very mm-hmm. good defense, but maybe not the 85 Bears, because I don't remember the 85 Bears ever giving up 200 yards rushing in a game, especially against a quarterback that is never going to throw the football. Yeah, if you're at minus nine yards passing and you give up 200 yards rushing, that doesn't say much for um But nevertheless, here's what I'll say, and I'll take this off, because I'm a fan of football, and I am a, a fan of their their defense. Y'all ain't going to do nothing if you keep making bonehead mistakes. Like, the 15-yarders are not okay. I mean, they might dap you up and say, yeah, cool, it's an aggressive play. But as you can see in in, in close games, it'll cost you. It, it li- literally should have cost you the Giants game when you let them off the hook, jumped off sides on a on a uh, fourth and one. I mean, a fourth and five. You can't do it. So they are, you know, as talented as they are, and they're growing too. Um, but boy, if you want to be anywhere close to as good as you think you are. You can't make them dumb mistakes because you're not even good enough to overcome those either. Um, giant defense continue to just play lights out, but they were great until they weren't down the stretch. Pass interference call, you know, um, Gave up, gave up two key third downs. Loose contain on the rush on one. Um, good play on the other one by Zach Wilson. So if the Giants defense wants to continue to grow and they know that it's on them to really carry this team, they got to be able to make plays in crucial situations. Now, they did have a closeout play by Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, yeah, but it didn't but it, close it out. It I didn't it close it out. out. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was what I wanted to watch the pass play. That, see, I had no problem with how they. First of all, anyone that says that they were playing present prevent defense, they were not in prevent defense. If you look at the all twenty two, and you look at the, they weren't in prevent defense. They were guarding the sidelines, and they were funneling everything in the middle of the field because mm-hmm. the Jets had no timeout. Um, and they get the pass play, and of course the Thibodeau offside, which I know now is being debated as to maybe he just got an incredible jump on the ball, but we there's nothing you can do about it. The flag was thrown, so that really hurt. But then on the pass play to Lazard, that enabled them to go down the field and spike it. 
You know, O'Shane Zimenez makes the cardinal mistake because Dexter Lawrence is kind of being held, but he whips his man, which forced Zach Wilson to the right. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that O'Shane Zimenez immediately went crashing inside. Yeah. If he just goes upfield, Dexter Lawrence is going to sack Zach Wilson, or Zach Wilson's going to have to keep retreating, or Zach right. Wilson's going to have to now try to outrun Zimenez around the corner. And guess what? To Fini, the game's over. Yeah. So it's little things like that. Yeah, and this is situational awareness. O- O'Shane Zimenez has been down on the practice squad, and you know he's been a spectator. But when you get an end-of-game situations, and he'll be smarter for this, but he should have been smarter in the moment. Or I don't want to say smart. He's not a dumb kid. He should have been more situationally aware to know that you cannot take a chance uh, and go inside for a sack on a game-ending situation. When there's you, you're funneling everything into the middle of the field with your coverage, that means you're funneling the quarterback to stay in the pocket in your in your um, pass rush because you want to contain everything. Anything that breaks the pocket has a chance for breaking down your your pass coverage. So, yeah, and I'm sure they went over it a thousand times, and um, he missed it. You know, he just in, caught up in the moment and didn't make a great decision. So a lot of teachable moments. It's a shame that uh, such a great defensive effort went to waste. I think um, the way that Dexter Lawrence is playing right now, he is a menace to society, man. He is just, they went through three players. Yeah, in a football way. He's a menace to society. I I, um, Go ahead. No, no, no. They, I think it was three. He went through three centers in that game. They did go through three centers. Yeah, occupational hazard. Look, I, I, I have no problem with kicking the field goal at the end of the game. In fact, I would do it every time. Considering the fact that you're playing with Tommy DeVito at quarterback yeah. with no threat to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I did bring this up. I did this. I did bring this up to Coach Dable yesterday when you and I were taping our TV show with him about the possibility, the thought process of, because I was thinking about this after the fact. If you're playing this no throw DeVito game mm-hmm. and it's just going to be pure run and your defense has played as well as they've played, you know, why not defer in overtime? It's very unusual. Belichick actually did it against the Jets at MetLife Stadium one year, and the Jets scored a touchdown on the first possession, and the game was over. He got roasted for it. But he was also he made a decision because he was coaching around his team. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go under the premise of where it's a no-throw offense and the way your defense is played and the way Dexter Lawrence and your pass rush was getting there, you kick the ball off into the end zone. You get a touchback. You get after that quarterback because Brees Hall had done nothing in the run game. Um, you draw a holding penalty. You get a sack. You pin them back, and now maybe you're starting at the forty-five yard line, and you only have to go twenty yards as opposed to having to go fifty-five yards. Yeah, but you're one mistake away. From I know that's that's the that's the that's the, the risk the that you are. Yes, the proposition uh, is not great, Bob. Because you could have an Adore Jackson 
pass interference call. You could have a O'Shane Zimenez break, loses contain uh, play. And you want, it's sudden depth. So, but if you if hold them, a, but if you if you defer yeah, and yes. you hold, hold them to a I field goal, you're still going to get the ball back and, and four it. downs. I get it, but like I said, you're one missed tackle away from Brees Hall taking it sixty yards for a touchdown. Um, it's when it's sudden depth. You want, in my opinion, I'm taking the ball hundred percent of the time. I'm not giving the other guy a chance to exploit anything that could go wrong on my end. I'd rather I'd rather it be them feeling the pressure of defending than me. Um, it's just, I mean, offense, it's an offensive league, and there are too many things that can go wrong if you take the field defensively. Um, and they did not have Tommy DeVito playing quarterback. You know, they did have, they have players on that side of the ball that can make plays, even though they were shut down. You don't want to have that one play guy shut down all, all game. And all of a sudden Garrett Wilson makes a spectacular catch and run, you know, it's a fair uh, and, point. And Wilson and was think... not shut out. I'm not saying that, but you know, he has the ability to end it for you. Cause he's that good. And I think at the end of the day, that was the decision that table made. Yeah. You know, um, he rolled the dice and it didn't come up. Look, nothing, nothing, nothing worked at the end for whatever, for a myriad of reasons, whether it's a missed kick, um, a, a penalty, um, not laying on the guy for a fraction of a second longer so that it takes maybe that extra second to get up and spike the ball. I mean, not getting the extra two yards when it was there. Yeah, uh, I mean, so it out. all the thing. All, so, so look, I think Giants fans at this point, they've gone through this game eight billion ways. Can I give you one more? Just, I guess it's one more hammer on the head for Giants fans about this game. Hmm. Go. So, if you remember the game winning field goal in overtime, boomerang hard to the left. Mm -hmm. So, Dexter Lawrence was in his media avail on Monday, had mentioned he heard it hit. Leonard Williams hand. Mm. So I went back again in John Schmelk's room and we fro we went frame by frame from the high end zone. Dexter's hands go up and Leonard Williams as Dexter's hands go up, Leonard Williams hand comes almost between them and he did hit the ball, huh. which is why the ball went boomeranging hard left. But mm. in typical giants luck, the ball went hard left, partially blocked, and went through as opposed to missing. And I looked That's at it, it and I, I was, I was, I was contemplating. I was like, Do I call my father? And after last night and our he, our, our, our spirited conversations, do I add even more insult to injury and say, "Oh my God, Dad, Leonard Williams almost blocked that extra kick." I forgot. I just better yeah. let it be. But speaking of Leonard Williams, he's no longer a giant. Yeah, I'm sad to see is, him go. I am too. Listen, I don't think there's much you can say bad about this kid. He's an ultimate team player, um, great teammate, always in shape, do whatever they asked him to do to um, help the football team. And, you know, the I think the silver lining in all of this, because he's he was loved by all of his teammates. 
the silver lining in all of this, he's going to a team that has a chance to make the playoffs in the NFC and maybe make a nice run in the NFC. He's kind of a missing piece for them. So um, I'm happy for him in that regard, but I'm going to miss him. You know, he's infectious smile, just the nicest guy in the world and just a hard worker. Yeah, I mean, and the Giants clear some cap space. He had a voidable year, so um, it's going to reduce the number. And they weren't going to bring him back at the number that he got paid when he got his new contract. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. He was a really good player. And a good football my, player, yeah. My question is, you know, the Giant defense clearly has become a massive strength for this football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as you pointed out, they were using him at defensive end. They were using him in a lot of different ways. It'll be in the, they must feel that they have enough on that front to make up for not having them. Yeah. Because, I would have to think yes. Right. Whether it's DJ Davidson, uh, a Sean Robinson got more snaps. They got Nacho. Um, but I got to think that. There's... Well, when that when that discussion was had, I'm sure Joe Shane said, "You better make it work with these guys, these other guys we got, because this is quite, you know, they got quite a haul for Dex. They got a, a, a for Leonard. Um, they got a second round choice, draft choice, which is really high in any trade market right now for a guy in his tenure in the NFL, um, which says a lot about him, but it's like, you're not going to just, mo I think the going right now is third for one of your best players mm -hmm. and the Giants got a second. Yeah. You got a second so, and a fifth. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if they said we have enough to compensate for losing him. But they knew that this was a deal that wasn't going to be made anywhere else um, if they waited. So I, I think it was a good job. Um, and I do believe they have enough players now that have come along that will help the Giants maintain their level of play defensively up front. As of this recording, that's the only trade that they've made. Um, we'll see at today's deadline if any others will be made. Mm -hmm. But um, I think, you know, obviously getting Daniel Jones back, knock on wood, if he can stay healthy, if Barkley could stay healthy. Yeah. I think if you're a Giants fan, you have to be at least excited about the possibilities here um, heading down the stretch of the season. There is, there's more than half the season left. There is nine games still to be played. Yes, so. and they, they got to play them all. Listen, things aren't breaking their way, but the way they're playing – with the effort that they're playing with, those things tend to even themselves out as the season goes along. So they just can't lose confidence, can't lose faith in in, in what they're doing because it will um, balance itself out. Now, there are a couple things, Bob, that you, you talked about Saquon Barkley um, being back with Daniel Jones. Now, they've had some success. Saquon Barkley looked like he got stronger as that game went on. And 
that's something, folks, that if this team starts to struggle a little bit, Saquon Barkley can lead you, lead the way for you. Because he he literally about carry 25 just looked like he was starting to get stronger as the defense got got weaker. So um you have that. Now you have a quarterback, and and I, I keep saying this, and the Giants will have to um listen. When I say you have to be intentional about getting the football to number 13, Jalen Hyatt, you just have to. You have to make – just like when you run Saquon Barkley, you make teams respect it, and mm-hmm. they have to commit to stopping it. Even if they stop it, they have to commit to stopping it. You've got to be able to make teams respect Jalen Hyatt's speed and his hands. You've got to be intentional. You've got to say, you know what? We're going to throw it up here. He'll get a pass interference call. He knows how to stack defenders, or he's going to catch this football. But we need to make sure that these teams respect him because it creates the best dynamic possible. If you take a few shots with him, then you know damn well the safety ain't coming down in the box as long as he's on the field. Well, that means Saquon Barkley is going to be able to do some things. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I mean, that's what the Jets did in overtime. They took a guy who's fast, who was just elevated from the practice squad for the game. Mm -hmm. And in overtime, they put him in the slot and they just said, run right down the scene. Just go, go. We're going to throw it up to you and we'll see what happens. You're either going to beat the guy. They were, I think they were hoping their quarterback wasn't under throw the ball by about five yards. Yeah. And wound up, Dory Jackson got lost through pass interference. Ball game's over. Yeah. That is the impact of a guy like Hyatt on a defense. So if you got a Hyatt and you've got a Barkley, it is the ultimate conflict that you can put a defense in. Because Hyatt's going to run by anybody. And you're not going to be able to say, okay, well, we're going to leave you one-on-one with whoever. Um, Same from a defensive standpoint, because we need to stop Saquon Barkley. Well, they're going to go over the top if they're intentional about it. I thought um, the Darren Waller situation is another player, when healthy, that they should have been intentional about getting the football to. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lawrence Cager. I think he can contribute to the offense. Um, he's a converted wide receiver, by the way. But with him and Bellinger, Cager might you know, be a pretty good guy who's on the roster, practice squad back and forth. But I think you know he's a guy that could fill in that Darren Waller role because he can run those routes. Yeah, they, I mean, they used him last year in that role, and he had yeah. some explosives. Yeah, so. so I think they should, you know, think about that, incorporating him in, because when you have a tight end, when you have a wide receiver, and then you can start to sprinkle in some of your, your play calls that will incorporate the underneath stuff to Wondell Robinson. You got another guy who can stretch the field in in Slayton. 
you got to be able to, but one or two players can open up your offense for you. Those one or two players are Saquon Barkley and Jalen Hyatt. When you're intentional about those two, your offense opens up. My opinion, I hope they're listening. Just uh, in wrapping up, because we'll do a preview at the end of the week, because we don't know if Devontae Adams or Josh Jacobs or who's going to still be on the Raiders, and we don't know what moves the Giants may make, yep. which could affect the game. But he is a very likable person, and he's a very nice man. We both got a chuckle yesterday as we were on our way taping the Coach Dable show. We had one more segment to tape, which was strategy, where you go to the coach's tape in our studio. And we saw Tyrod Taylor walking down the side hall with Darius Slayton yesterday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> happy to see he's doing well because he is he, he has is a, a smile on his face yeah he's a great team guy i kind of joked around and said hey can you get your arms up and give me a deep breath <laughs> yeah no, he's like he's <laughs> like i got one foot in front of the other it's all i got for you he's walking okay but uh yeah. it to see him back in the facility yesterday um yeah. and out of the hospital was a good thing because uh he is He's a great guy to have on your team, whether yeah. you need to pinch hit for your starter or just being a team guy. He's yeah. he's the best. He's aces. I got a couple other things to sure get off your chest. Kind of finish up. Micah McFadden. Wow. Just wow. Um he's I'm number one, he's tackling better, but god damn, this kid got like he's showing. His instincts now he's playing free and fast and just wow, like running to the football, running downhill, making tackles. But he had a lead to the right of the Giants defense. So fullback lead. He blows the fullback up, falls back inside, drops steps, makes tackle. Now, Anybody that's played linebacker knows when you got to go up in there and you got to meet a fullback on the other side of the line of scrimmage, it's going to take something. He explodes into the fullback, but his ability to stay on balance, drop step and make a tackle for maybe a zero gain was as impressive of a linebacker play as I've ever seen. And that's that's on top of all the other stuff. Now I think he he was the one who missed the tackle on the Brees Hall thing. Well, he was one. He was one jumping. of three. Right. Oh, Carrick took he a was bad the first angle. First on the scene. Um, but that being said, Micah McFadden, wow, folks, the guy is is you, you just watch him now. He is just playing lights out football. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a. Another guy on the team that just kind of had an impact on the game. I don't know. Am I allowed to even talk about him? Number five. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Von Thibodeau. <laughs> I'm not trying to change anybody's minds. Um, I look. I don't have to say anything. Just all right, number five. Your thoughts, folks. That's all. Number five. Well, I thoughts. mean. I know you got. I know you've gotten into a bunch of Twitter battles. You had an actual on-air radio battle on the flagship station. You know, the thing is, is that 
you got to defer. I, I always do. I always feel like you have to defer a little bit to people that actually played the sport and played it at a high level. And if river meets the road, uh, or rubber meets the road, whatever it is, river um, meets the road. River meets you know, the road. It's a flood. <laughs> I mean, you actually played the position too. So it's like, you kind of really know what you're looking at. Yeah. And listen, I've been guilty at times of saying, you know, where's the production? Where's the production? And you're like, well, if you cut on the tape, there's a lot of different things that he's doing that aren't necessarily showing up in the stat page. And I know when you draft a guy as high as he did, fans don't want to hear about the intangibles. They want to see the splash. Yeah, but nor do they want to hear about what he's asked to do. And that factors in with um, how you assess a player. And and I, and I say this, um, debate is healthy. It's, you know, the essence of fandom is about passion. And, but if you want to have a theory that says a player is a bust or whatever your viewpoint on a player is, there is data. There is so much data out there that you could say that a guy is a couch potato and find something that points to that. <laughs> Don't just throw flame, uh, flame uh, balls of fire and you have not spent one second looking at the things that would support your claim. Um, and it's, it's for everybody in terms of their fandom, right? I get it. We're emotional. We're passionate about our points of view, and that's fine. But if you're going to be passionate about your points of view, don't be malicious in your attacks just for the sake of gaining some type of, you know, uh, acceptance. If you're going to say he's one thing, show me something that proves that. Whether it's right or wrong, because numbers can fit whatever you want. And the one, the most beautiful breakdown I saw of this was Bobby Skinner and Justin Pinnock. They gave you a year-over-year uh, this was their last mailbag, and I'm telling everybody they should go watch it because if you want to make an argument for or against or say this is the progress, watch what those guys did. They gave you they gave you categories that I hadn't even thought of of where Kayvon Thibodeau is today versus last year, where he's trending, where he's yet to hit. He's behind in X amount of categories, but he's doing better here. I mean – you could take whatever they gave, whatever those guys gave, pick one of those things that you don't like about Kayvon Thibodeau, and they can give you a number, and you could just have at it. Well, he's slow at the point of attack based on last year's number. They gave you so much information. Um, but when you want to make a case and you want to be a fan, if you're not throwing fucking salacious fireballs, then just take a moment and say, Here's what I don't like about him. And I'm not telling you again, far be it for me to tell anybody how to fan. But when you do things that are so salacious at times, and this is not aimed at um, the guys I'm on, was on radio with uh, here in New was York. Was the operative version. 
<laughs> but it is, and I, you know, listen, I got friends and I have respect. So this, this, let's just, let's just say, I'm not telling you how to fan, but don't be made a fool of when a guy shows up the day you say you don't even watch him play, but this is what you don't like about him. When he shows up the next game and blows the fucking doors off. Don't be shocked and don't take credit for it and say, well, he only did this because I was talking about him. No, he's been doing it and you just decided not to see it now that you painted yourself in this box. This is what you see. So give yourself, there's so much data, folks, for good or for bad. And I think if you want an example of that, that um, Bobby Skinner and Justin Pinnock, they gave you so much stuff. If you wanted to find something wrong with a player, in this in this, this instance, they gave a breakdown on Kayvon Thibodeau. They, they gave you about seven or eight categories that you could just pick one and say, this is why I don't like it. But then they gave you another 10 or 12 of where he is today versus last year and where he's going and where he needs to be. So fan responsibly. I guess that's the right thing to say. If you're going to fan, fan responsibly. Fan passionately, but fan responsibly. Yeah, well, it reminds me of Josh Allen of the Jaguars. I mean, he had gotten off to a relatively slow start in his career. He'd get a bunch of sacks and then kind of go AWOL, and now he's becoming a more and more and more consistent force for a, a, a very good Jaguars team that's getting better and better and is first or second in the NFL in takeaways, and he's a big part of it because of the pressure. Yeah, so, and the thing is also, folks, you're dealing with humans and you're dealing with kids. They get better. You know, signs of a bust, you'll hear it coming out of the building before you see it. And if a guy is working hard and they believe in his abilities and they see the incremental steps that, that the kid is making, then careful throwing out the word bust. Because first of all, you got to define what the role is. They drafted him, not you. You didn't draft him to be what you thought he would be at number two, three, four, five, six, or whatever. They drafted him with an idea of what they wanted him to be. So when you come on and say, well, he's not playing like the, the, the number three pick or he's not playing like the number six pick, according to who? Because there's been a lot of number six picks that haven't been too good or number threes or number twos. So your criteria of what a guy should be is not necessarily aligned with what a team drafted him to do and – currently asking him to do so yeah i get it he doesn't fit your idea it's just well, like he's in a tough spot carl because there there are giants fans and i'm one of them that will never ever be able to wrap my brain or understand how michael parsons was on the board and they traded out of the position so he is going to unfairly be compared by Giants fans to we could have had this and this is what we have. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair to Thibodeau because listen, Michael Parsons is he's a rare he's a rare player. Yep. And it's not Kayvon Thibodeau's fault that the previous regime decided to pass on the opportunity to draft that guy. There's nothing right. he can do about it. 
Right. So he's I think sometimes he's 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 being held up to a standard that's really a little bit unfair because again, Parsons is generational. But look at what you have, look at what is growing, look at what is developing, and enjoy and keep rooting for him to continue to keep getting better because he's becoming more and more forceful every single game that they play. And all of the things that you you say that you don't like about a player. Well, he's not this, he's not that, he's not explosive, he's not that. Before you say those things, just take a look, right? Just take a look and say, okay, before I blast this kid, let me look at about 20 plays and see what it is. Uh, oh, wow, he was double teamed on that play. That's why he didn't get it. But whatever it is, whoever it is, allow yourself to fan, but fan responsibly. Like, I, I, the essence of fandom, I get it, and I'm that way in basketball because I have my love-hate relationship with Julius Randle. And if I allow myself, as I'm watching TV, I might be seeing some really crazy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get it. I know where people are um, in this, but fan responsibly. Allow yourself, if you if you don't think a guy – is doing certain things, cut on a tape and look at it. Or just go look at 10 or 12 plays from the guy and see if it supports your theory. And then just say, yeah, well, I saw. And you can always uh, frame your, or give qualifiers and say, well, I, in the 10 plays I saw, he didn't do X, Y, and Z. You still don't know if that's what he was asked to do, but you can always qualify your argument. But when you start you know, talking crazy about players. And I think Baker Mayfield went through a lot of that, you know, personal shots at him. Um, you got to be careful. Like, there's information, there's data out there that will support whatever um, whatever position you want to take. It's a public it, service announcement for this. And if, it's, and if it's negative information, there's plenty of that data. Because the data is always backwards looking, not forward looking, because the games haven't been played. And so there's no data to predict the future, but there's plenty of data that tells you something that will support if it's negative or positive in you. But sports writes a story every single day, so you can't predict it. Um, but you can certainly go back and say, well, I saw X, Y, and Z, and he didn't do this against this guy or that guy, you know? So, all right, we'll be back later in the week to preview the Raiders. We'll see who gets traded. Who's on the Raiders by the time we get to that. And even if the giants make any other moves, how do we like to end it? Carl, tell a friend to tell a friend fan responsibly believe, believe in, in giants. Boom. See you later in the week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.